This is the My Child Will Thrive podcast, and I'm your host, Tara Hunkin, nutritional therapy practitioner, certified GAPS practitioner, restorative wellness practitioner, and mother. I'm thrilled to share with you the latest information, tips, resources, and tools to help you on the path to recovery for your child with ADHD, autism, sensory processing disorder, or learning disabilities. My own experiences with my daughter, combined with as much training as I can get my hands on, research I can dig into, and conferences I can attend, have helped me to develop systems and tools for parents like you who feel overwhelmed trying to help their children. So sit back as I share another great topic to help you on your journey. Today's podcast is sponsored by the Autism, ADHD, and Sensory Processing Disorder Summit. In order to learn more about the summit and to sign up for free, please go to www.mychildwillthrive.com forward slash summit. Welcome back to the podcast. Today I want to talk to you about glyphosate, what it is and how it impacts your child's health. Now you may have heard of glyphosate before and you may have understand that it's not very good for your child or for anybody's health for that matter. But what I want to do is explain to you some of the whys and and when you start to understand this, um, as I have in the past, it really drives home the importance of addressing this toxicant in our environments, um, both through avoidance and also other mitigating factors um, that you can do to uh, mitigate the effects of, of being exposed to it. Because we're, what we're gonna, I'm gonna talk to you about today is how it's almost impossible to avoid no matter what you do in today's world. So, but before we do that, let's just talk about, if you, you don't know what glyphosate is, Let's just talk about what what it is. Glyphosate's an herbicide and it's applied to the leaves of plants to kill both broadleaf plants and grasses. And um, the sodium salt form of glyphosate is used to regulate plant growth and even ripen fruit. So you can all all of a sudden see how many things it's used for at the exposure level. Glyphosate was first registered for use in the U.S. in 1974, and it's one of the most widely used herbicides in the United States. People apply it in agriculture and forestry, on lawns and gardens, and for weeds in industrial areas, uh, among other examples. Um, Some products uh, containing glyphosate also are used to control uh, aquatic plants. So what products specifically contain glyphosate? Well, it comes in many forms, um, including uh, an acid and several different types of salts, and it can be either in solids or in an amber-colored liquid. And there are over 750 products containing glyphosate for sale in the United States, and that number continues to grow. The most common and widespread use of glyphosate is in the product that is branded as Roundup, made by Monsanto. And the use of that particular herbicide has increased approximately 15-fold since 1994 when genetically modified or what they call Roundup-ready glyphosate-tolerant crops were introduced. Um, And what that means is that they have genetically modified the crops so that um, the farmers can can spray the crop excessively to ensure that it isn't um, contaminated with any kinds of um, challenges in terms of weeds, etc. And um, still, the crop itself still survive. 
And it's also sprayed on a substantial portion. Um, it, it, so it's, it's used on genetically modified soy and corn, and it's also sprayed on a substantial portion of wheat and oats grown in the U.S. and among other things, and is used in many other parts of the world this, the, these days. Um, so one of the things we want to do is what, where else other than in that herbicide than obviously on GMO foods, which I'm going to talk about a little bit more about that. Um, GMO foods um, in a published a paper published in the journal of JAMA in October of, uh, of 2017, a team of researchers actually compared the urine excretion levels of glyphosate um, and uh AMPA, uh, which is a um, acid, in 100 people living in Southern California community who provided samples during five clinic vi- visits that took place between 1993 and 2016, and they found that the human exposure to glyphosate has increased approximately 500% since the introduction of genetically modified crops. So obviously our exposure to this particular herbicide um, is excessive uh, through the the ingestion of GMO foods. Um, We also know from multiple studies that um, are now finding uh, glyphosate in the groundwater. And that obviously is coming from both, as this other study just demonstrated, um, from human urine excretions and which then gets back into the water table in in addition to um, obviously the runoff from agricultural use in the first place. We are also finding it, um, studies are finding it in rainwater and the air. One study showed that glyphosate uh, glyphosate was present in 75% of air and rainfall test samples um, with, this was a, according to a study which was focused on the Mississippi High Fertile Delta Agricultural Region. So you're getting it through your food, you're getting it in your water, and you're getting it um, from the rainwater and in the air. So as you can see, this is everywhere. Now, one of the reasons why it was approved in the first place is because it was deemed not to be harmful to human health. So in order to understand why someone might have thought that, we need to understand how glyphosate works. It is a non-selective herbicide, uh, meaning it will kill most plants, which we've already talked about, and it pre- but it does this by pre- um, prevent the plants from making certain proteins that are needed for plant growth. So it's trying to stop um, the plant growth. And glyphosate, um, stops this, a specific enzyme pathway called the shikimate pathway, and that pathway is necessary for plants and some microorganisms. But it was thought to be not necessary or doesn't exist in humans, which I'm going to talk about, about now. So the shikimate pathway is actually a seven-step metabolic route used by bacteria, fungi, algae, and some protozoan parasites and plants for biosynthesis of folates and aromatic amino acids. Now, this pathway is not found in animals, which uh, require these amino acids. Um, So the products of this pathway represent essential amino acids, meaning that we must actually um, obtain them for bacteria or plants in the animal's diet or the human's diet. 
So the conclusion um, was that blocking this pathway uh, wouldn't impact human health because we didn't need this pathway to make these uh, these um, essential amino acids, or uh, which are the building blocks of certain proteins, and because we would be getting that through our diet. But um, as it, it mentions in that explanation, that it's a metabolic use um, route used by bacteria. And what we now know is that the microbes in the gut microbiome use that same metabolic pathway um, and that glyphosate blocks. So the mic- microbes in the gut microbiome ha- need the shikimate pathway. And we now know that the microbiome impacts our children's health in many ways, including via the gut-brain access, uh, their immune system, and many other things. And it's becoming clear that glyphosate is a contributing factor. So uh, research is also showing that glyphosate impacts the tight junctions of the gut lining, which can lead to leaky gut and um, also to... uh, impacting the tight junctions in the blood-brain barrier, leading to leaky brain. And there's so many more areas that we're just finding out what the impact of the glyphosate is in our environment and on our our health. So what I want to do is invite you to come and dive deeper into this, the additional impacts um, how, what, and what you can do about it, because as you can see, it's, it's everywhere in the environment. We can do things to mitigate that and reduce our environmental exposure, but we also need to do um, other things in order to reverse um, the effects of the glyphosate on our children's health. And because I'm not an expert in that particular subject matter, I have brought on um, two people that are going to talk about um, different parts of the impact of glyphosate and what you can do about it. One of them is Dr. Stephanie Seneff. Um, she is a, a researcher from MIT who is, has dug deep and written several papers um, on the impact of glyphosate on our children and um, why we need to be looking at this as a underlying root cause or a environmental trigger to what's happening with our children. And also Dr. Zach Bush, um, he's coming on to um, volume two of the summit in order to talk about um, some some of the impacts of glyphosate on the gut gut barrier and the blood blood brain barrier, um, among other things. So I want to invite you to dive deeper into this and find out what some of the solutions are to this, this obvious problem for our children and really for our entire families um, on volume two of the Autism, ADHD, and Sensory Processing Disorder Summit that's coming up. And you can sign up for free at www.mychildwillthrive.com forward slash summit. I hope to see you there and uh, where you'll get to see these um, amazing uh, researchers, practitioners, and product developers Um, that are there to talk about all things that will help you uh, help your child to thrive too. Bye for now. My Child Will Thrive is not a substitute for working with a qualified healthcare practitioner. The information provided on this podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat your child. Please consult your healthcare practitioner before implementing any information 
or treatments that you have learned about on this podcast. There are many gifted, passionate, and knowledgeable practitioners with hundreds if not thousands of hours of study and clinical experience available to help guide you. Part of our goal is to give you the knowledge and tools you need to effectively advocate for your child so that you don't blindly implement each new treatment that comes along. No one knows your child better than you. No one knows your child's history like you do or can better judge what is normal or abnormal for your child. The greatest success in recovery comes from the parent being informed and asking the right questions and making the best decisions for their child in coordination with a team of qualified practitioners in different areas of specialty. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining me this week on the My Child Will Thrive podcast. I want to share with you the free tools I've created to help you on your journey. So head to mychildwillthrive.com forward slash library to get free access now. And as they say, it takes a village. Join us in the My Child Will Thrive Village Facebook group, where you can meet like-minded parents and stay up to date on everything we have going on at My Child Will Thrive. This is Tara Hunkin, and I'll catch you on the next podcast or over at mychildwillthrive.com.